0: Hey everybody, welcome back to a new episode of Project Tahiti. It's a magical place. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Jess, and I'm joined by your other host, Jared. Hello. Um, Creepy, kind of sad episode this time around. Um... <laughs> That's all I have to say. <laughs> yeah, no, it, was a, it was a good one,
1: but also, I don't know, kind of... Uh... Kind of sad, like you said, some yeah. some bummer stuff and some creeper stuff going on for sure.
0: Definitely. Um, before we get into it, uh, just a quick reminder that we are part of the But Why Though podcast community. Be sure to check them out on Twitter at But Why Though PC and go on their website, But Why Though Tons of good content, not just podcasts, lots of good write ups there. Um, and we're super proud to be a part of their community. And also, if you're not caught up on Shield, go to Netflix through season five do it come back listen enjoy (laughs) um sorry i crack myself up (laughs) (laughs) all the time um all right so this is season one episode 19 the only light in the darkness written by monica owusu breen who has written other things but i did not write down what that was um but she's Written, I think one or two previous episodes, and then Vincent Missiano who also has directed a previous episode, which I did not write down. I think I'm going to stop writing that down because there, it's getting to be too many, and I'm getting confused. <laughs> I don't have that Excel spreadsheet, so we're just going to assume that they've written something. Or if someone's done, something. More one,
1: we can say done more than one, we don't need to say which ones. Or this is true about numbers or anything like that.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's, it was it was becoming too much for me. <laughs> um, this originally aired april twenty second twenty fourteen All right, so this episode starts with um one of the dudes from the previous episode that was broken out of the fridge. We actually got a very um meaningful close up on his face when he walked out of the breakout <laughs> um and this guy is at some docks. um there's a fisherman dude that's loading cages into his truck, like crabbing cages, and um this creepy dude from the fridge comes up and asks this fisherman for a ride to Portland and the guy's like, yeah, right, I'm not taking you to Portland. Um, And the fridge dude turns off the guy's truck and then he sucks the life out of the fisherman and takes the truck and drives off to Portland while turning on some classical music. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking
1: creepy. Um, He he likes good music. What? How's that creepy? No, no, no. Uh (laughs)
0: here you're not going to give me a ride i'll just take your your health and your and your truck and i'll see you later Ugh. um so at providence base which if you do not remember this is one of uh director fury's many secret bases where eric Kennig has been staying since the battle of new york um ward is with his shirt off as 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 he does uh getting patched up and recounting his story quote of how he essentially killed Garrett. And it's giving these flashbacks of things that were actually going on. He's, he's um, retelling this fake tale of how the fridge was taken and they tried to stop it, but Hydra was there and they took everything and, you know, he got the best of Garrett. He put two in the back of his head and it was all great. And He's alive and he's here now. So it's fine. Um, as usual, Fitz and Trip are not getting along. They're trying to outdo each other, um, and Sky is there. And uh, Ward mentions that he saved the hard drive, so that's the one good piece of news that he has. The hard drive is saved, and um, instead of having Sky crack into that, Coulson asks Sky to look into all the escaped inmates. <laughs> um, and Ward is very frustrated by this. He's like, "No, open the hard drive, damn it!" because that's his mission, and he sucks. <laughs> so um, Sky's looking into all these people that escaped from the fridge, and Coulson comes in and asks if Marcus Daniels is on the list of escapees, and Sky's like, yep, he's one of the guys, and pulls up his photo, his headshot, his, his glamour shot. Um, and Coulson mentions how dangerous this guy was, and that he was there to take him in, and he wants to go after him. Um, and he does this whole speech on... You know, everyone's like, "No, we should stay here where it's safe. Like, we can't come out from underground." And he's like, "I don't know if it's wise, but it's right." Coulson being Coulson, uh, but Eric is not having it. He says, "No one can leave the base before they go through orientation," which ends up being this crazy ass lie detector that Director Fury designed himself. And Ward looks very nervous <laughs> that he's going to have to take a lie detector test. Hmm. So. May goes first, and there's this montage of everyone spilling deep secrets or giving these character-defining answers. Um, Something called Project Insight is mentioned. Alexander Pierce is mentioned, if you'll remember from... Winter Soldier, um, and Simmons mentions that she, they, they get a question of, you know, if you're on a deserted island, and you can bring one thing with you, what it would it be, and Simmons mentions that she wants the TARDIS, which is kind of funny, <laughs> and Tripp mentions that his grandfather was a Howling Commando, which is really cool. I think that's the first time we hear about that in this and season. That
1: part, I don't think is from anything, because he's an original character, mm-hmm. so I don't believe that uh he is. Yeah. He,
0: he's from the comics, just kind of um, Kind of cool it is cool and you know we um we hear more about that um later on too um that comes back at a later time so i that's all i'll say (laughs) um so ward gets put in the lie detector and he passes but barely like Koenig ends up pulling a gun on him, and he's like, you want to answer that question again? And apparently he had a freaking needle in his finger, like underneath his fingernail, that was causing him pain to, like, disrupt his vitals during this test. And so, like, he walks, he gets his lanyard, and he walks out. Oh, by the way, the reason he passes is because of the way that Eric questions him, being like, why are you here? And so Ward is able to actually say, I'm here for Sky," which is true in his creepy, twisted way. But um, he goes out into the hallway and he pulls this needle out of his finger or like piece of like splinter. I don't even know. It's gross. Um, And Fitz runs into him and is like... uh, I forget exactly what their conversation is, but essentially Ward is like, you know, if you have a thing for Simmons, you should tell her. And Fitz is like suspicious. He's like, this isn't the Ward I know. And Ward immediately turns into, yeah, I don't care. Do whatever you want. And all is well again, I guess. It's weird when Ward is actually allowing himself to be himself a little bit. He's kind of a nice person. (laughs) No it, I mean, he
1: you uh, just can't tell, you know? I can I know. never tell what's real and what's not. Like I I almost feel like he doesn't even know. Yeah, Which,
0: you're probably right. I mean, really,
1: I mean, it's
0: ah, kind of sad. This is this is
1: <laughs> rewatching this is making us somehow both actually like feel sympathy? Like I like I think it's like you said before in the previous episode, the less it's less about sympathy and more about understanding why he does the stuff he does. But I do feel like it's giving us real sympathy that we haven't had for him. And at the same time, not at all diminishing our hatred for him. So it's a yeah. really weird feeling. I'm it's, like, it's like very fuck weird. you, you scumbag. I feel really bad for you, but I still want you to burn. You know what I mean? I know. <laughs> He's like, I, like, it's weird. I'm not used to that feeling of sympathy for anyone I loathe as much as him, fictional or real, you know? Like, but that's
0: like, what makes this show so good is that like, we can have these really complex feelings about this really hate like easily hated character, but he's so layered, and there's so much shit there, and the, just his interactions and his relationships with the other characters just makes it so much more complicated. Especially with his relationship with Sky, and it's just like you suck, but okay, like <laughs> <laughs> well, and,
1: and, no, it's and it's weird to compare it to it, like even. Thinking the thought, formulating in my head, I'm like, I know most everyone I know would like roll their eyes in the back of their head, but they also have never seen an episode of Shield. But it isn't; it is not entirely different from Walter White in a weird way. Yeah, where it's like it's justified. Every every screwed up, awful thing Walter White does, I get how he got to that point. I get how his life Mm -hmm. drove him to that point. But at the end of the day, not only is he just a monster. But even the stuff that I understand, even the earliest stuff that he painted himself as noble and heroic was still coming from a kind of either in the case of Ward, a twisted perspective because of his upbringing and the person who brought him out of it, Garrett, or in Walter White, I think just a very selfish perspective. And probably because of white privilege Uh, (laughs) and being a man. (laughs) Yeah. but Fair. But I feel like, both of them are – the way it is similar is that, like, I am given a really clear line of of, of uh, consequence and of cause and effect. And I'm like, oh, no, I totally get this. And I get how just about anyone could be driven to this under these sets of circumstances. But it doesn't actually make me like them anymore as a character. Like, I okay, enjoy them as a character, but you know what I mean. Like, I wouldn't want to be yeah. friends with these characters. I, I, <laughs> well, I, I loathe them.
0: And our understanding where he's coming from doesn't relieve him of any responsibility of the shit that he's done because he's done terrible things up until this point and he will continue to do terrible I, things. I feel
1: like that's the similarity. And like, and yeah. you know, Walter White has a better justification because it's whatever, providing for my family. Even though clearly as time goes on, he proves, the spoilers for uh, Breaking Bad, he's not that great of a dude. <laughs> uh, you know, as time goes on, it proves he's not that great of a dude. But at the same time, like, Wards is, I guess, it is maybe in in real... In reality, someone in his situation, I could actually feel like it is more noble because it's just survival. But there's nothing. It Mm -hmm. is selfish, but there's nothing ignoble about it. There's nothing bad about it, you know. But at the same time, it makes him do, like you said, such horrible things. It doesn't mitigate any of that horribleness. It just makes us Mm -hmm. know where it came from. So it it's fascinating, and it is the best part of his writing i think that's another thing that's why we both focus on it so much because like yeah. it's high quality writing and it's the guy it's the character we've been conditioned by the show to hate the most so it's like the most the most uh gratifying part of this re- re-watching experience is the character we have the most hate towards uh, like, in, a, in a lot of ways <laughs> which is weird and, and it's just a testament to uh his acting ability
0: yeah absolutely Um, man writing off here sorry yeah
1: i know uh we had just had um
0: oh okay so um fits fits. okay so um after this we find out um that daniel's power uh, marcus daniel's power is that he can absorb energy and he's going to portland for a woman um hmm interesting uh, May wants to come on the mission, and Colson doesn't want her there. He wants her to stay behind and fix the bus, and he is still so mad at her, and it's really sad and really hard to watch still. Still being passive-aggressive and petty, and life's too short, Colson. Don't do that. <laughs> um, so we're in Portland, and the woman's name is Audrey. We see her getting ready to go running, and she's wearing a Philharmonic logo on her sweatshirt. So, hmm. Things are starting to come together, um, and we find that Daniels is following her, and he's um, shutting off the lights as he's walking through the park, um, and uh, Audrey sees him and starts freaking out and runs away, and Simmons pulls up in a car, and she says, we're with the CIA, and we're here to help, and so Audrey gets in the car with Simmons, and they drive away, and then Colson and Fitz show up, and they try to blast – um daniels with light energy because apparently if he gets hit with more energy than he can absorb that's what takes him down or at least that's what took him down the first time they brought him in um but apparently while daniels was in the fridge shield experimented on him and made him even more powerful so this does nothing and he gets away great Back at the Providence base, Sky and Eric are chatting and nerding out, and she notices that um, he has like a, a tablet um, that is tracking everyone. So the lanyards that everyone's wearing are tracking them throughout the base, and Eric is watching them. Um, and Sky mentions that she wants to hack the NSA because uh, SHIELD satellites are no longer operational and they need access. Uh, to satellites to figure out where some of these um, fridge escapees are and so in true sky fashion it's the nsa give me an hour okay cool (laughs) you're the super genius hacker that lived in a van it has great hair um uh and also we learn in this scene that the hard drive that Ward is trying to get Sky to decrypt is a location based encryption and it's that is further frustrating to Ward cuz he's like running out of time he only has 24 hours to get this shit done and and back so time is ticking um so, back in Portland, once again, Simmons is a terrible liar. Um, and Audrey knows that they are from S.H.I.E.L.D., not the CIA. And she tells this really beautiful story of how she once met a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, and the S.H.I.E.L.D. agent protected her and saved her the last time Daniels came after her. And that agent was Colson. This woman is his cellist at the Portland Philharmonic. If you didn't figure that out already, <laughs> lots of signs pointing that way. Um, back at the Providence base may is leaving which oh my god so sky is going to be left alone with a psychopath uh at the base um ward makes sure that the bus is in working order and he obviously doesn't try to stop may and then he goes to find eric um and he's getting desperate back in portland um the team will actually fitz Realizes that they have to use Audrey as bait to lure Daniels and Coulson is not happy. He doesn't want to put her in any further danger. Um, And he's like, no, this tech is really going to work. He mentions that Bruce Banner is the one that created this tech that they're going to use against Daniels and Coulson feels better about it because apparently bruce banner tech never fails right
1: <laughs> not like he made himself a hulk or something
0: <laughs> right but <laughs> i found that a little strange um and fitz asks colson why um Coulson won't let audrey know that he's alive and Coulson says you know she's healing and moving on and he doesn't want to hurt her again which is like is that really the reason <laughs> um back at providence base Sky goes looking for Eric and she finds Ward and he mentions that May left um, and they end up having a drink and kind of define their relationship Ugh. But but um, Ward seems real in this scene and he's like look I've done a lot of terrible things like I'm not a good man and he talks about how like his older like his older brother was abusive but he didn't just beat up his younger brother he made Ward beat up the younger brother
1: he says their parents were even worse.
0: Yeah, like, and I feel like this is the realest that we've ever seen him.
1: Well, and doesn't he also say he, all he wants to do is just pretend that the real world doesn't exist and be with her? Yeah. That felt like the most real, like that line where he stops and he says, but the real world does exist. Like, like until he says that, that was a, a small glimpse into what he would be like without Garrett overhead. And yeah, it's a bummer.
0: Yeah, and I wonder, like, if Sky had capitalized on this moment to be like, well, let's start over and run away and like start a new life. I wonder if he would have gone.
1: I think, I think he would have. I think he would have.
0: I, I really do. But, but Sky's is not that person to do that.
1: What's weird is she would have been if they hadn't gone through this season. If they, if yeah. only the two of them had bonded instead of with Coulson and everyone else, I think she absolutely would have been where she was hiding out in the van and, and everything else. But, as it is, it doesn't add up. It doesn't. It, it, she's been brought so into this family, like she wouldn't,
0: she wouldn't abandon. Well, and her. also, I think her moral compass is is to um, she. It's been so defined throughout the season that I don't think that that's shakable anymore. Like you said, like maybe at the beginning of the season, like she was still in this gray area of trying. You know, she had personal reasons for joining Shield, and she's like an activist. Like she wants to do the right thing, and she wants you know, people to have access to information. And I think she, there's like a learning curve there when she joins a spy organization, but I feel like she's not the type of person that would run away from something like this anymore. Like she's, Coulson has gotten to her too much.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think so.
0: And that she needs to stay, she, like for herself, she needs to stay and do the right thing. And, but yeah, I feel like in this moment, like if she would have been like, let's run away and start over, like, that would have been the end of it. <laughs> well,
1: I feel like for her, she said it, you know, before. I think already the season. You know, they're her family. They're all she has, and to her, it's all of them.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. Fitz Absolutely. and Simmons
1: and and Ward and May and Coulson especially. Mm-hmm. And for Ward, it's just her. Yeah. And that's the big that's the big difference yep. is Ward doesn't buy into any anybody but Garrett and her. And Garrett, I mean, it's gaslighting and programming and 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 uh, you know, uh, I think being ingrained and indoctrinated with, with bullshit from an abuse abuser. It's it's something very all too real, yeah. but it's not the same as his like willingness to do things for sky. Although to be fair too, like, even though I believe he means and he's being genuine and earnest, I don't think he actually cares about her as much as he's using her as like an idea of, of freedom from this yeah. life. Like it's like, Oh, if we just run, if I just run away with this cute young girl who likes me, then everything will be better. I'm gonna just start over, you know, whatever. Like he despa- I think he desperately wanted her to say that, yeah. Instead of instead of just being like, no, let's let's keep fighting. So he kind of beat her to the punch and says, of course, but the world is real, so we're gonna do this instead. And and unfortunately, it means he sticks with the Garrett program.
0: Well, and also I wonder. So like he probably felt like he couldn't protect his younger brother, and so I feel like there's an element of that with with Sky. Like he feels like there's this person that he wants to protect uh,
1: we're kind of it's not really spoilery I mean because of, of everything but it is I guess it, I guess we're, we
0: are we're kind of like we're bumping up against with that, these, that line yeah <laughs>
1: with, these, with, the, when, with these two episodes I feel like the one we just did in this it's especially because it's the immediate fallout of Ward I feel like we're like blending a discussion section with the recap I, know. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think it's okay because of the nature of these episodes in particular with so much being revealed at once but I think it, you know you talked about how his one nice moment with Fitz was kind of, of kind of kindness, and you just mentioning him relating protecting Sky to being protective of his brother. It's like that makes me think like that those are the moments that he is kind to Fitz, and yeah. and when he, when he isn't manipulating or when he's kind to to Jemma, uh, uh, you know, earnestly. I think they are like an older sibling, yeah. Like like it's like he's being protective of these newbies of these kids who where he might mock them a little bit, especially at the beginning, but it's like he definitely. Has an affection for them. If there is a real him underneath it all, it's that kid who was forced to beat up his little brother, who you wanted to save. Yeah, and everything is coming from that kind of psychology. And it's really, it is it, it, like they're they're managing in our rewatch to make make me actually care about him a little bit, and I hate them for it. <laughs> now I hate the writers well... as much as I hate. Them.
0: Don't worry, because <laughs> later in this episode, you're gonna hate him again, real quick. No, so yeah, just
1: by the end. So speaking like,
0: of, um, so they start to kiss, and Sky finds blood on his neck, and he like jumps up and runs away to clean it. Yeah, and he's like,
1: <laughs> oh, well, my cut's supposed to open. Yeah. Like, and it, it feels like that that is the least smooth cover I think he's ever had on the show. I know. And I and I think it it's probably mostly being played up because Now he knows, now we know. Yeah,
0: but also he just had a super vulnerable moment and I'm sure he was like caught off guard that he was going to have to go back into, you know, Hydra Ward, um, Spy Ward, Triple Crossing Ward immediately.
1: The the combination (laughs) of it actually being out in the open and him being sensitive, like makes that, I feel like, not like hammy or whatever, just, just like an exaggerated moment of like, whoa.
0: yeah. But it, yeah I don't know I in my head can no, it pointed sense. it makes it makes perfect sense like
1: it's very pointed and and serves a serves a story yep
0: all right so uh back in Portland Audrey is on a stage by herself with lights on her and she's playing her cello and um, it's very beautiful and Daniel shows up um and they get him to walk up to the stage Audrey keeps playing and they shoot these lights on him that have, like, I think it was mentioned that they have gamma radiation or something like that? or Yes,
1: that's the, and, and that's the implication with the Bruce Banner yeah. thing before.
0: <laughs> <laughs> It'll never fail. Well, the plan fails, and he's able to knock everyone out with his weird shadowy powers that he got from S.H.I.E.L.D., whatever that is. Um, but Coulson runs in, and he picks up the light and blasts it on him, and then uh, Trip is able to, to jump in, and... Um Audrey can't see that it's actually Coulson cuz the light is um is shadowing him from from behind. Um back at Providence Base, Ward is cleaning off his like bloody choky wire thing. Um Garrett wire. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Garrett. I'm not sure. I don't how know that.
0: how you say that. I think I
1: think maybe it's pronounced garot, but I always, as a kid, would read it Garrett, which uh, that's kind of
0: weird. <laughs> works
1: works with yep. his mentor. But I'm pre- I'm pretty sure it is garot. Okay. It's it's G, G- A R R O T T E or something. I think.
0: Yeah, I have no idea. Um, so Sky is Strangling wire Strangling <laughs> choky wire thing <laughs> the Official um, term So Skye is in Eric's office I don't know what to call that area I guess it's his office And she sees his tablet And sees that uh, Eric is off in some room somewhere So she goes off to find him And she goes into a storage closet Where supposedly that's where he is And she's looking for him And um, blood starts dripping on the tablet And Eric is somehow up in, in the ceiling dead and she knows now that ward did it and that he's hydra and she is freaked the fuck out and of course ward is like sky sky coming to look for her and so she's freaking out trying to trying to calm down and trying to figure out what to do in this moment because holy shit you were just making out with a hydra agent girl (laughs) um back in Portland uh they defeat Daniels and um the blast knocks Audrey to the floor and she's briefly somewhat unconscious and Coulson comes up to her and he has a really brief moment with her before she wakes up and um when she does fully wake up it's Simmons that's there and not Phil and she's it's this really sad moment where she's like I thought I saw him there um man is that a tragic love story <laughs> um back in providence ward uh finds sky in the hallway near the um the storage room where he stashed eric's body and she plays dumb and she's like you know i just got really freaked out back there it got real but i want to do this and she kisses him which oh my god i can only imagine what she's going through in that moment she probably wanted to throw up in his mouth and she's becoming a very good spy um, and he basically drags her out of the base in the name of this mission that Fitz called about. You know, they need help. We got to go right now. Uh, no time to grab anything. This is very suspicious. We have to leave right now. And she's like, okay. <laughs> Don't even go. worry about it. No, I just basically. Yeah. Um, so back in Portland, Fitz is asking Coulson about Audrey. And actually, I think they're on the plane at this point, but they're still in Portland, whatever. Um, And Coulson's like, you know, I'm keeping this really big secret from her. And, you know, it's I need to make things right with May. Um, I can't expect, you know, forgiveness. You know, I can't expect Audra to forgive me if I can't even forgive May, which is like a about time, man. Um, and-, and also
1: interesting that he brings up his feelings for May in relation to it. I know. I know know it's the overall forgiveness, (laughs) but still telling. Mm
0: -hmm. I thought the exact same thing. Very um, uh, purposeful. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And then Fitz and Simmons have a moment and she's like, you know, Tripp thinks that you hate him. Like, what's the deal? (laughs) And he's just like, oh, you know me, I just don't like change. And he like misses another opportunity to tell her how he feels. And come on, Fitz. (sighs) life's too short.
1: Yeah. Especially when
0: you're a spy on the, on being hunted by the U (laughs) S government. So the team gets back to Providence base and realizes that everyone's gone. And the bus is also gone. What the fuck? Um, Next scene is, sky and ward in the cockpit on the bus and ward mentions that they need the specs from that tesseract thing for fit so that they can defeat daniels um so sky has to decrypt the hard drive and so she has to take them to where the location is um and now she understands what he wants um for hydra man girl what are you doing um so back Uh, So in Ontario now, we see May walking down the road with her bag and a car pulls up and an older Asian woman is driving. and She gets in the car and it's May's mom. Apparently, she is a retired spy. Um, And May wants to go talk to Maria Hill. Hmm. I wonder what they're going to have to say to each other. And that's it. No, and, and,
1: her, and, and her mom is in on, like, she like she is aware of what's going on because of what's happening in the public, but she also knows that not everyone was really bad, including her daughter. Yep. And she she said, expresses something about being relieved that Maria Hill's one of the good guys.
0: Yep. Because she, she likes liked her. She likes Maria. Yeah. And she's like... And she's,
1: she gives her a snide comment about how my agency wasn't Shut down in disgrace yep. like basically like like, like, like saying like it, 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 we don't know I think whether she's CIA or NSA or or FBI or what but uh, I, I sort of assume she's CIA because yeah. anything with international contacts anything that would intercede with shield would probably do that, mm-hmm. do that but I don't know um and you yeah, know, she uh, gives her a little bit of motherly guff, but also is very nice to her. And like, she gives her shit for not thinking here immediately. I know. She's like, I was just going to thank you. She's like, it's too late now.
0: <laughs> Such an Asian mom moment. Oh my God. So that's a, Okay. So it's so rare on like prime television, especially in 2014. Like now there's other shows like Fresh Off the Boat is like in, you know, it's like in its what, fifth season now. But like, it's so rare to see these super like relatable I'm for the listeners who don't know I'm Japanese American <laughs> so it's just really nice to see these moments that are relatable from that point of view and just being like oh yeah Asian mom moment um I don't know like that was really refreshing to see on screen <laughs> well, I feel like it's even
1: like it's it's almost more notable in a weird way I mean not overall but but you know what you were talking about just now uh, shows like Fresh Off the Boat, or um, in Canada, or on Netflix here, uh, Kim's Convenience, mm-hmm. like that have kind of more thoughtful and and I think informed uh, perspectives and and offer actual experiential like like reality, mm-hmm. like, like so something that that is based in, in a very real experience for for people, uh, uh, for Asian Americans or for people or for Asian immigrants, and I feel like. It's almost more notable that something very authentic and real happens so subtly on a show where it is a very diverse cast. You know, where it's not about being an authentic Asian experience.
0: Yeah,
1: like because if something like that happening on Fresh Off the Boat or Kim's Convenience or something like that would be much less surprising.
0: Yeah, but something but in a, a a comic book spy show like <laughs> yeah,
1: just. But but it's like you've mentioned before. I think on one of the earlier, maybe one of the very early episodes. But, like uh Marissa Tancheron is as a biracial Asian yeah. American woman right yeah she's tight. and so uh, so I feel like that's I, I i mean that's the benefit we have of mm-hmm. having people of color and women of color in power and and behind the scenes you know they're actually writing these stories because when they do have a chance to have a small bit of something that is authentic, it doesn't just feel well intentioned or just miss an, miss an obvious opportunity to have some sort of cultural touchstone instead it's just informed and and feels more real as a result.
0: Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And it's cute because this moment isn't necessarily about being like an Asian American, like mother daughter relationship. It's like so much more than that. Cause may is already a complex character who, you know, like may probably didn't want to call her mom out of anyone in the world. You know, like she's not that person who's going to call her parents for help. Like she is going to take care of shit on her own if she can. But she mentions in the scene that like, I needed someone that I could trust and you can always trust your Asian mom. Well, that's not always <laughs> true, but, <laughs> but that can, is she, the...
1: <laughs> one of the few people she knows she can trust yeah. in this situation. And I think that that's something that's cool. Like you say, it's it's overall has to do with the character of May and the overall plot and everything and not just that experience. And it's also neat because it is particularly authentic and something that resonates with you specifically, but it's also something that I think it's cool because th- that it does feel special and noteworthy to you, but also it's something that's very, I think, relatable to people in general. And it's cool because it shows that there, I don't know, it shows a a cultural reality and something cool that we don't always get to see, but it also shows how people are similar across the board. And like, that should be the goal with this stuff. Also,
0: (laughs) it just feels like this was in what this was intentioned. You know what I mean? Like you don't get diverse experiences and authentic experiences from just, you know, just by accident. accident. (laughs) Like you in, like, this is fiction. Like you have to write it into the script or you have to put it, you know, in front of the camera. And so, I don't know, like, like you said, if it was Marissa Tantran or if it was Ming Na and this actress that played her mother that like added to this to like make it more authentic, or if you know, I don't I don't know what the backstory is behind this, but it was intentioned to be there for that reason. Um, because this is a real relationship that they're trying to portray on screen. And there's layers to that. And so, you know, it you can't if you're if you're trying to put in an make inclusion and diversity a priority you have to actually do it and do the work you, it doesn't just happen so this is something that was intentionally put into the script i feel
1: and and why i think it has to be behind the scenes and not just on in front of the camera which yeah. i think it's more and more people are talking about it but it felt like for a long time it was only in front of the camera yeah. that they got press
0: well you don't as- get the same authenticity that way like um And I can't can't even think of an. I mean, there's there's countless examples in pop culture. One example (laughs) that
1: has come up, I believe, you know, on on podcast that friends of ours are uh, uh, host on uh, something similar, uh, and just in general in the discussion on the Flash show, which is another uh, comic book superhero show, and actually uh, segues nicely into one of the comic connect, our only real comic connection of this uh, this episode, but. Like the, I've read criticisms of the portrayal of uh, Candace Patton's character, uh, Iris West, and it's just like there's nothing about the way she's written or her experiences that are authentically that of a black woman in America. Yeah. It's, just, it's the writing staff for the longest time was just a bunch of white dudes. And it's not just a bunch of white dudes, you know, at this point, but they were the showrunners and yeah. the guys, you know, in charge, the executive producers and creators and whatnot, and they set the tone and and as a result, like a lot of things about like like authenticity kind of fell to the wayside, I think. And they have a very diverse cast of characters, but when all the creators are still white dudes that still shows like you said it doesn't happen yeah. by accident it doesn't just happen you have to actually work for it and
0: I think that um colorblindness comes into play there like ever you know there's so many well-intentioned white people that think that that's the answer to racism when that's kind of I just recently went to a, a talk at um, vulture festival that Constance Wu gave um, she's uh, one of the stars of fresh off the boat and she was in the lead and one of the leads in crazy rich Asians and she we were she she talked about this about how it's insulting because someone's racial identity is part of their identity and to make characters that have no connection to that is it's not authentic and it's under the guise of being colorblind but you're not getting real depth and s- stories that you know someone of color could actually relate to and see themselves in or even an actual story because you're not separated from your racial identity especially in this country and anywhere where you're not a part of a um, monolithic racial makeup necessarily Which is most
1: places in the world
0: Exactly so if you're in Europe or if you're in the US if you know if you're in, if you're my, a minority in any country (laughs) like your experience as a minority shapes who you are and that should be written into characters that are portrayed by minorities you shouldn't just have a character be able to sub in um, you know they could be a white woman a Latina you know a black woman the character should be written for or you know not necessarily it doesn't have to start out that way but if someone is cast in that role like that character's racial identity should bring something to the table (laughs)
1: Agreed. And no, and and in the case of like a writer's room situation with television or films where they have multiple people, you know, with input, I think that, that you have to hire diverse voices. You have to actually do that. And in the case of one author, you know, a single, a single author who wants to write about something that's outside of your own experience. I think that's a good thing, but you have to do actual research. You have to interview people. You Mm -hmm. have to, and, and, and pay them yeah, if you can. Like, like, because it shouldn't be done out of the goodness of people's hearts. You know, yeah. I, I get that not everyone has that opportunity when they're starting out and they don't like, if you're uh, you know, a straight white creator and you want to create something that isn't just about your experiences. Like you shouldn't, I feel like you shouldn't not, you shouldn't be afraid to do so, but you should do so with sensitivity and yeah. thought and care and, and just know people with different experiences and different backgrounds and know people who aren't just like you so that you have some understand some basic understanding and learn about whatever you are going to write about like and or give up it shouldn't
0: be that hard give up some power and let someone else come in and do the writing based off of their own experience (laughs) Well, well, i'm I'm just thinking like well i know what you're i know what you're saying but there's like there's there's multiple ways where that can come about yeah there's absolutely yeah
1: and there's like like even if you're not handing something over to to someone like there's collaboration, there's all sorts of different yeah. things. Maybe, m- m- maybe, the story you want to use, you know, some, someone who does have a position of privilege and they want to use that to, uh, I don't know, shine a light on something or to help, uh, I don't know, uh, to, to, to offer something that's not just monolithic or just something that's a, uh, I think very myopic from their own perspective at the same time, like, Maybe the thing you need—you you, you can't do that on your own. Maybe you need to collaborate to have it be authentic. Yeah. You know, like, like like there's a lot of I think thoughtful questions to be asked and ways to go about. It. I don't think there's like a right answer, but there's a lot of wrong answers that yeah. they've done already. If that makes sense, like, like like there isn't just one way to do it, but there's a lot of ways we know that don't work. Yeah, <laughs> and just having great intentions isn't even enough. No. And for a long time, they didn't even have good intentions. I think they're just doing stuff. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I mean, look at something like black Panther, you know, to bring it to the Marvel universe and specifically the cinematic universe. Like those, I think, uh, you know, Stanley and Jack Kirby, they did have good intentions when they created T'Challa and Wakanda in uh, the fantastic four comics that they created him in.
0: Yeah,
1: But if they just hired you know, two, uh, you know, kids of Jewish immigrants, you know, f- their age to make the movie in, you know, in, in 2018, it would not be the same. It would not be as good. Yeah. It required hiring a bunch of black Americans to tell a story that informed this character that's it's important to them mm-hmm. that, you know, represents something to them. And I, I don't know. I feel like it's, it's awesome that it turned out as great as it did, but it's because, like, just look up the character uh, of M'Baku, uh, who is uh, uh, known in the comics as Man-Ape. Oh. And, and see how he used to look and how now he looks in the newest issues of Black Panther, influenced by the comics, written by uh, Tahanisi Coates. You know, uh, th- These... Th- 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 <laughs> you can make, you take something that's well-intentioned and boneheaded and make it good if you have the right people behind it. You have people who are not just going to be well-intentioned, but actually know what the hell they're talking about. (laughs) And and, I think that it's awesome. It's like you ask these people things like, uh, oh, who was it? Stanley was asked about, someone was like, I think it was maybe one of these like comic skater guys trying to like catch him in something. But before he passed a couple of years ago, Stanley was asked about Iceman being uh, revealed to have been gay and to come out and he'd always been kind of denying it to himself. And they had stuff where it's like, Basically, he was like, I'm already a minority that was like outlawed in my country and like hunted by robots. So I didn't want to be gay on top of that, which I think is like an actual really good, like, yeah. be- like believable, <laughs> you know, explanation. But, uh, but they asked Stanley about it. And he's like, Oh, really? Like, I didn't even know that. Like, that's great. You know, like we couldn't tell stories like that then. Yeah. You know, and like, that's basically his answer every time somebody says something like that. And like, it, it just seems like, he was always a guy because he was in a position, I think, of of uh, privilege where he was wealthy enough that he, and you know, because of familial connections, he was always like a publisher and was editor in chief for such a long time because of those opportunities. Yeah. But he always hired people, you know, and and hired people of color and women in high positions like before it was really commonplace in publishing and before it was ubiquitous. And like he's not, he he wasn't like the biggest trailblazer in the world, but I do think made a lot of positive uh positive uh advancements in comics specifically and i think that that's that's reflected in the way marvel is on the cinematic level almost more than anything right now yeah. like they do st- it's, it sucks because like the publishing system uh, the where marvel's publishing size side is right now is frustrating me because the guy in charge we've talked about a little bit on the show and you and I have talked about and I'm not happy with their editor in chief their current choice and <laughs> and the like the fact that they still have him around is disgusting but yeah. I know other people there like Sana Amana uh, uh, are that, that I actually think are really like in- intelligent talented and progressive and they are they're still hiring you know people like it was right after Zabulski took over that they hired E-Viewing. you know mm-hmm. so it's like it's not that it's not that the only bad stuff's coming from them right now, but it's a they're in a problematic place, and yeah. I feel like at the, the the film side is kind of at the best place it's ever been. Seems to be continuing to move forward, and is like I think honoring that progressive legacy that Marvel's always had.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: It's a long diversion, but it was directly related to yeah. what you were talking Let's about do- with May and her mom.
0: <laughs> Let's do a uh, comics tie-ins. Okay, there's
1: only one real one. It's our Marcus Daniels guy, Blackout. His <laughs> powers are, you know, like you said, they're both like power draining, but also dark force manipulation. Mm. But dark force is basically it's fun. It's funny because I'm pretty sure it's the same thing in DC Comics. It's just the same idea. <laughs> like, like, hey, what if people like had shadow powers and they could just make anything <laughs> yeah. happen? Just like with generic, shadows,
0: generic shadow. Like, powers, like you could
1: yeah. make like shadow shapes that could grab stuff. Or you could just go into a shadow and come out another shadow. Like 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 basically like it's very nebulous rules. Usually it's tied to some dark force or shadow force dimension, <laughs> which I think is in both comic book universes. Like they it's funny how some of that stuff evolves and then they just don't even care. Like no yeah. one no one at D C or Marvel is trying to figure out which one came first. There's it's like whatever. <laughs> like, we, we somebody whoever it was was probably roy thomas who wrote for both companies at the same time in the 60s and 70s and uh pro, and 80s and probably uh he probably just stole it from like i, I don't know uh tolkien or <laughs> uh, or lovecraft or some yeah. fam- famous thing like that's it feels like most stuff from comics is just taken from pulp books from their er- right. from the era that their creators grew up in um and you know he's very similar same pretty much powers no obsession with the uh, cellist, with Colson's ch- cellist. Uh he, new. <laughs> for some weirdness, uh, comic weirdness, he just died at the end of a crossover of the, uh, I think, believe the most recent Civil War crossover during it, or no, no, no sorry, uh, the Secret Empire crossover, which we've mentioned a couple times recently with the uh, Hydra takeover and Captain America being a Nazi and whatnot in the comics. I believe the end of that story arc, during it, Hydra had given New York or Manhattan to someone and it was covered in shadow force uh, powers by Blackout. And he, I believe Maria Hill, I believe, is the one who shoots him to take him oh. down uh, because she does what the heroes can't do, mm-hmm. I think. Um, <laughs> she's a, a, badass. She um, is a badass. And then, you know, he's just back because because <laughs> why they not want to, they want to do that and it hasn't even been that long like he's barely been dead and then they bring him back already sounds about right <laughs> yeah yeah maria hill that, that's the one she did kill him um but yeah and then <laughs> doctor strange resurrected the city of las vegas because las vegas had been blown up entirely in this story arc with oh, captain america God. becoming a nazi and there was some <laughs> some kerfuffle about hey uh You blew up all of Las Vegas. That's kind of bad, bad taste. So Doctor Strange brought Las Vegas back. But (laughs) as the price for it, because it was such a big thing, there is now a hotel in the middle of Las Vegas that is a gateway directly to hell that is like run by by the devil. And which honestly is kind of cool. Like I I, I, I like that idea in the Marvel Universe. There's a casino in Vegas. It's just a direct portal to hell that is- (laughs) The, the devil's casino. But uh so it, 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 when that when that happened so uh weird. it resurrected uh, Buck out somehow. Even though Awesome. Other characters <laughs> did not die. And I don't, and I'm pretty sure she wasn't he wasn't in Vegas. So it's very weird.
0: <laughs> that like, is like, weird.
1: I'm almost positive that when Maria, Maria Hill killed him, it was not in Vegas because he was blacking out in New York. I'm pretty sure he was in New York. <laughs> oh, comic books are weird. They're so weird. Uh, half the time, they lately, they don't even explain it when they bring someone back because they they aren't coordinating their stories well enough. So, so nobody knows that a year and a half ago, another writer killed this guy off. So I just use him again. And <laughs> I don't know. On oh some levels, God. I love it. And on some levels, I'm, it just drives me a little nuts.
0: Like- my face hurts right now from laughing. <laughs> cause it's, it's just so ridiculous. It's all no.
1: It just it just gets weirder. <laughs> like, like comics get weirder as time goes on.
0: Oh, that's pretty good. Hey guys, spoiler section time.
1: We we, we talked about Koenig last time in the triplets, so we yeah. so we'll have the, a <laughs> the cool reveal later on. That, oh, Patton's back. Like, he's
0: not as dead as you yeah. think. Well, he is, but he's also yep. back. Oh, there's tons of MCU references in this episode. Because um,
1: they mentioned Steve uh, Rogers specifically, right?
0: Uh, mm-hmm. it, it, when Sky is
1: giving uh, Kanan Guff, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. He's like, "Would, would you know? I don't even remember
1: because he doesn't want to well, get Captain involved." America, or Captain America. Steve something. Rogers do this? Like, like, yeah. <laughs> like, like, no, and like it almost feels like she's really leading on it heavy because, like, they're letting us do this now. <laughs> like, I
0: know. <laughs> But hey, whatever. Um, it I works. Mean, yeah. <laughs> um, what else? Oh, talking about uh, Tripp's grandfather being a howling commando. Yes. Um, which, I mean, that's not a, actually a- Well, he's not, uh, not- Nothing revealed, but I mean, they could always introduce just him. just mention yeah.
1: <laughs> they, they could put him in the comics at some point. Yeah.
0: Um, what else is there? Oh, the the Bruce Banner stuff. Um. I don't know. Lots of lots of things. Gamma radiation's mentioned. The Tesseract O eight four yeah. thing comes back yeah. into it. Maria Hill. Yeah, lots of stuff. It's nice. Yeah, that,
1: it was very full of uh, references. That's it was a good yeah. one.
0: It is a good one. Um so I feel like we should talk about Ward and Sky a tiny bit, and then we need to talk about Colson because that's a whole thing. Um so Ward. Um, I think we I mean, we talked a lot about him throughout the recap, but just uh, so I, I know I mentioned earlier in an earlier episode how I wanted to pay attention to um, what is different about Skye for him, like because she isn't he wasn't necessarily prepared to have to deceive someone like her. And so maybe she caught him off guard and clearly caught him off guard enough for him to start having feelings for her. And I feel like Sky is fully, like, shield indoctrinated now. So I don't fully understand, like, why Ward is still trying to make a play for this, I guess, other than the heart wants what the heart wants.
1: <laughs> yeah, I-, I think it's legitimately what he has feelings for, right? Yeah, like,
0: like I think... I'm pretty sure that's that's the case I think and I mean like just based off the conversation that him and Garrett had in the last episode I for sure think that he has feelings for her but it's not it's like a weird protective older brother thing like we were mentioning before but also this like weird possessiveness and I don't know it's like this diluted fantasy to him and like you said it's like she he sees her as an escape or maybe could have been an escape But at this point, like, in reality, like, she is not. She is fully Coulson's, like, protege (laughs) at this point. And um, it's really sad when she finds out that he's Hydra because I feel like she was open to the possibility of them taking this somewhere. And, like, Ward is not the type of person to be vulnerable ever, and he's shown true vulnerability with her, like, in this episode and also maybe in previous episodes just talking about his family. And so, I don't know, like, poor thing is, like, in the cage with, like, the lion (laughs) at this point. She's, like, stuck on a plane with him and knows his secret, and it's... It's it's really sad. I really and Chloe Bennett did such a good job doing the acting for that scene where she discovered and realized that he was Hydra. Just like her panicking was like I felt that shit. <laughs> like I was like, yeah, this fucking sucks. You're trapped in this base. Like your one ally is dead. May is gone. Um, what are you gonna do? And it's all up to her to like figure this out. But luckily, she's resourceful. But oh man, I don't know. More to come. For sure
1: yeah lots more on their uh relationship (sighs) still which (laughs) Which takes us
0: for a whole other ride in the framework oh my god um yeah i don't know I, i i was thinking too and i know i mentioned this in an earlier episode but it just like once ward no longer becomes ward and he's hive like, the fact mm-hmm. that, like, Lincoln is the one... You know, she falls in love with Lincoln. He's the one to, like, take Hive up into the sky to be destroyed. Like, Ward ha- and, and Ward's body essentially have taken so much from her. <laughs> to, like, you anyway, know, that sounds gross in that way. But, <laughs> um <laughs> I don't know. It's just a mind fuck to have him come back in the framework. The show just doesn't it's relentless <laughs> with our emotions and, and they play it
1: up a lot with uh not sky at Daisy, that point. Yeah. Daisy at that point and like they, they definitely play it up in the framework stuff where she's just like what what the yeah. fuck cuz how is she supposed to wrap her head around it like is this is like because he's he's idealized ward mm-hmm. he's anti ward everyone else is f- fucked up by by the hydra thing and he's one of the only like <sighs>
0: Who wrote non- that in? Oh my god. I just like to this day, like can't my mind can't even like it just wants to explode thinking about that. Like who whose idea was that? They're just like this diabolical
1: Oh no, oh. Yeah, well, you can imagine someone there while they're brainstorming ideas is like, oh hey, what if we took this opportunity to really mess with everyone <laughs> I know. and destroy Sky oh, god. or Daisy? We actually, we, I, I want to pa- pass in the back in the spoiler section right now. Uh, we've gotten much better at not saying uh, Daisy. Uh, Daisy. Yeah, ever. like we never. I, I don't have to delete him anymore. <laughs> we, edit stuff. Uh, we don't. We don't. We don't yeah, do
0: it. We're, so we're being good. I, I think it's it's easy because right now we're fully indoctrinated in Sky. Like while we're watching, and mm-hmm. all the stuff that we've been discussing deals with Sky, not necessarily Daisy because she's not Daisy yet. Like, she's not dealing with Daisy stuff yet. <laughs> True. I think that, <laughs> that helps.
1: Maybe our biggest trip up was the first one or two Rain episodes. Yeah,
0: just because we just came off of watching
1: season five, and she's mm-hmm. Daisy. And just thinking of her in that context. Whenever you think of her with Rain, that's when that stuff gets exposed yep. later on.
0: Yeah. But yeah, that's a good point. We're getting much better. Um, So we need to talk about Coulson, because we didn't talk about him last episode. And there's a lot of things... Going on. Seems like he's losing it a little bit. Um, last episode. Like he had almost a full breakdown when they got to the Providence base, not realizing that it was actually there. He's just like, this has to mean something. We've been through so much. Like, this can't be it, (laughs) type of thing. He's having this like this moment where he his faith is being tried, I guess, trial by fire. I don't know what to call it, what the religious term for it is. And now um, we encounter someone from his past life, essentially, that was a huge a huge attachment for him, someone that he had a relationship with before he died. And it's interesting because I feel like Coulson's been struggling with attachments with team members throughout this whole season. And maybe that has something to do with his death. I'm pretty sure it does. But also, we finally meet a character that he has a real attachment to, and he detaches himself from her like completely (laughs) and and I don't really know what to do with that because we find him wanting to mend his relationship with May who ends up being another attachment for him that you know complicates things later honestly I feel like
1: I, I do feel like he's somewhat earnest about not wanting to involve her in this stuff because she's letting go and she's you know mourning and whatnot. I think for one, it's got to be a really big ask to be like, hey, I know you don't hang out with uh, Norse gods and uh, gamma <laughs> yeah. monsters, but I am back from the dead. Yeah. Like, like I feel, yeah. like, but, but like I feel like that's a big mind fuck to ask anyone to process. And on top of that, right now in this moment that they're in, when they're fugitives, yeah, he can't. like they don't have the resources they had. Like how could he ask her? To, on top of, of the mindfuck, ask her to, to do yeah, that. You know? Absolutely.
0: That's a lot. And also, like, he can't stay. He's not going to abandon his his mission. Yeah, he's to, not going to
1: retire to Portland yeah. to be a, a cellist groupie.
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It was just – it's just interesting um, that this relationship has been mentioned more than once um, in the past – up until now in the season and now we finally get to meet that person and he's just very like he just lets it go and it's like it's an interesting interesting moment for him i think i think
1: so too it, it, it's, a, it's a level of awareness and growth maybe that he hasn't really shown so far because he was kind of stuck with the whole mystery around his resurrection
0: yeah. Well, and also just like the last couple episodes, his world has just been upended. And I think he's kind of coping with that reality now, knowing that maybe the instability of his situation is making him realize like, okay, the attachments that I have can't happen because it's I'm in an unstable situation, I guess. I don't know if that's exactly how I wanted to word it but
1: <laughs> well, that, I, I think that makes sense well as she doesn't I, I can see him not wanting to bring anyone new into it it's like the people who are in this circle that, that he's in with his shield team it's like I feel like he's he's not cutting himself off from them like you said he's even wanting to mend things with me May, maybe not you know start dating her yet or whatever but like but but he does want to take their relationship to a different level like a, a level of I think
0: at least gaining trust we, back
1: yeah, yeah, and and that's something that they do imply that he had before, and we have talked to him extensively about how you know like especially a few episodes ago when he tells uh, Ward to to rein in his emotions and not get mm-hmm. attached. It's like, what are you talking about? You're attached I to all know. of them, but uh, and I think that that doesn't really change as much as he's just like. He's cutting himself off from the outside world now. Oh, that's it's a good like point. I'm, I'm a person who's brought back from the dead. I don't. I, I, the Avengers can't even know he's brought back from the dead. How is he supposed to tell? Mm. You know, a human. I just
0: had a really weird. Okay, so you've seen Cowboy Bebop, right? Yes. So you know how the whole thing is that like um, Spike is essentially like in purgatory the whole time, and he's just waiting for his to finally be able to move on to the next stage. I wonder if this is like Coulson's purgatory, like he was reborn or, you know, resurrected, but he's just like, this is his his last stage before he moves forward. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen in season six, because at this point, Coulson's still alive, but.
1: And I believe is supposed to be back for six, but mm, nebulous yeah. about whether he'll be back for seven, and, and we don't know. We don't know what that yeah. means. We don't know if that means he'll be in the first episode. We don't know if it'll be if he'll appear in li- Lost style flashbacks, yeah, yeah. like tra- training uh, somebody. Like, like who who yeah. knows? We don't know. There's a lot of ways they could they could keep Clark Gregg around and keep Colson around without keeping him alive yeah. in the show.
0: Yeah, but Whew. crazy. <laughs> All right, I think that's that's all I have. You got anything? Else? Yeah, I don't have anything else uh, for for this Alrighty. one. righty. heavy stuff, man. Fucking Ward, man. God, he's <laughs> such a psychopath. Who keeps a freaking choky thing in their pot? I guess a spy would, but good lord,
1: gear <laughs> like out wire. Yeah, like, like, yeah. He just has like a like just a bunch of like murder stuff. It says like, like I mean, it says like, like, like uh, chloroform and gloves and stuff. They're like, Hey, uh, I know we're spies and all, but what? Like, like, like why is this in your, like, what?
0: That's my, my, my murder packet. <laughs> no, don't worry. Well, that's not my
1: usual wallet. That's just, that's just my uh, double agent wallet. God. Please ignore the contents.
0: <laughs> Jeez. All right. Where can people find you on the internet? <laughs> I can be found at
1: I know Nothing. At places. Uh, where can people find you? Um,
0: you can find me on Twitter at Space Jess with four S's in the Jess. And you can find the pod at Project Tahiti. Or you can send us an email, project pod at gmail.com. Um, thanks for listening, guys. Um, we're, like, nearing the end of the season. I think there's only, like, four episodes left. Five, something like that. So, very, very. Yeah, um, we're getting down to the wire, so it's gonna get good. I mean, it's already good, but it's gonna get real crazy, real soon. So, thanks for sticking with us. We appreciate it. Um, we will catch you next time. Peace.